Hello, and welcome to the Hot Topics podcast from NB Medical and Medcast. This podcast is part of a series based on the popular Hot Topics workshops and webinars. In this episode, our expert speaker, Dr. Simon Curtis, discusses the recent developments in managing trochanteric bursitis in general practice. A copy of the Keep It Simple summary or KISS on this topic is available on the Medcast downloads page. If you would like to learn more or register for one of our nationally delivered face-to-face workshops, please visit our website. Dr. Simon Curtis introduces Sue, a patient presenting with hip pain. Well, let's kick off with Sue and talking about hip pain in younger adults. And I don't know about you, but for me, my differential diagnosis of patients with hip pain, uh, there's osteoarthritis, um, and then it comes to a bit of a halt. Um, So it's been really useful and interesting, actually, that there's been a flurry of papers published over the last year looking at hip pain, specifically in younger adults. Sue, there was a time in my life when I would not have described Sue as a younger adult. Now I'm at a time of life where I think she's incredibly young. So she is only 45. She works in an office. She's a busy mum. And she runs to keep herself fit and well. And then she comes to see because she's complaining of pain in her right hip. She hasn't fallen. There's been no trauma. It's come on gradually. Running makes it worse, but it's also bad at night and when she's lying on that side. And it's a lateral pain in her hip that radiates down her outer thigh. And she's starting to get a slight limp with it. And when you examine her, She's tender over the lateral side of the hip. Range of movement is a little bit limited. And you arrange an X-ray, and the X-ray is reported as normal. Many of us as GPs are not being familiar with this term, greater trochanteric pain syndrome, because we've always called this syndrome trochanteric bursitis. That's what we learned about. That's what we read about in Murta's Bible of General Practice. It was always called trochanteric bursitis before. Um, Now, there are up to about 20 bursi around the hip, and true inflammatory bursitis can occur. But the reason the name of this syndrome is changed is that imaging studies show there often is not an inflammatory cause. It is mostly a tendinopathy, and the most common causes of this syndrome are tears or tendinopathy of the gluteal muscles, the piriformis muscle, which where they connect onto the greater trochanteric, uh, the greater trochanter of the of the of the femur, so it is not due to an inflammatory bursitis. Now, this is the most common cause of hip pain in middle-aged adults. Of course, it could be an impingement syndrome due to labral tear. It could be osteoarthritis, but it's the most common form, particularly in women. And up to one in four of women aged over 50 um, uh, is thought to to suffer from this syndrome. And it accounts for 20% of hip presentations that we see in general practice. So this is a syndrome we will see frequently. It can occur in even younger adults, particularly those that do sport and dancing, and it can also occur with other conditions like osteoarthritis or inflammatory arthritis as well. 
Now, the good news is to make this diagnosis is you. This is one of the many fantastic things about being a GP is you are the diagnostician. In fact, you're the last true diagnosticians left in clinical medicine now. Greater trochanteric pain syndrome is a clinical diagnosis made purely on the basis of your history and your examination. No other fancy tests required. So it's lateral hip pain, worse with weight-bearing activities and lying on the side at night, which may radiate to the knee. Now, if the pain radiates more medially into the groin, um, then this suggests uh, that there may be more significant hip pathology, uh, either a stress fracture, osteoarthritis, avascular necrosis, or an impingement syndrome. So it's lateral greater trochanteric pain syndrome. Now, on examination, patients may have a little bit of a limp, but the most useful examination tests, again, it's not rocket science, is just tenderness and pain on the lateral side of the hip. If there's no pain on palpation, it makes greater trochanteric pain syndrome very unlikely. Worthwhile getting the patient to stand on one leg Pain within 30 seconds of standing on one leg reproduced in that lateral area, again, reinforces the diagnosis. And on examination, there may be some restriction of extremes of movement. So in terms of investigation, yes, it is worthwhile doing a plain film to make sure there's no significant osteoarthritis or a stress fracture. Now, as we know, stress fractures can be missed on a plain x-ray. So if the plain films are negative, but you've got strong suspicion of a stressed stress fracture, which would you'd have that suspicion if the pain was severe, it was activity-related, and it was more medial and anterior and relieved by rest, or a vascular necrosis, the other serious diagnosis, which again, pain, which has gradual onset, more medial uh, in the hip and the groin, then we should refer for a, to a specialist for consideration of an MRI, because a plain stress fracture, particularly in the early stages, can be missed uh, on a plain film. So you make a clinical diagnosis of greater trochanteric pain syndrome with Sue. You reassure her it is virtually always self-limiting. You give advice about relative rest, avoid lying on that side, sleeping with a pillow between the legs to reduce the compressive load because useful advice and simple analgesics. There's been a systematic review published a couple of years ago about the management of greater trochanteric pain syndrome. Physiotherapy, there's just not been enough good evidence done. There's a lack of evidence rather than an evidence of lack, but there's good evidence for other tendinopathies. So general consensus, physiotherapy should definitely be the way to go. For corticosteroid injections, there's good evidence for short-term benefit in pain, but not improving long-term outcomes. Improvement occurs for up to three months with greatest benefit at six weeks. 
has been a real move in the UK and also in Australia to encourage ultrasound guided steroid injections as opposed to so-called blind injections, which we do in clinic. But when you look at the evidence, there is no significant difference in outcomes, whether they're image guided by ultrasound or whether they're blind, uh, so-called blind injections. And the conclusion from the research is that corticosteroid injection may be most appropriately used to reduce the pain to then enable physiotherapy to be more effective. So if the pain's really not too bad, physio alone is fine. If it's really bad and it's going to impair physio, then it may be worthwhile to reduce that. More recently this year, there's been this trial published called the LEAP trial, which was new original research and patients were randomized to physio, or a steroid injection, or wait and see. And the physiotherapy was better than the steroid injection and wait and see at eight weeks and also at one year. The ultrasound-guided injection was superior to wait and see, in other words, not doing anything at eight weeks, but not at 52 weeks. So with the steroid injections here with this syndrome, it's exactly the same as we see for tennis elbow. Short term uh, can help with pain relief, but long term does not improve outcomes and physio should be the way to go. And then a recent review of the diagnosis and management also in the British Journal of General Practice, emphasising the need for physio referral and then also recommending we consider a peritrochanteric steroid injection in primary care to provide this analgesic window. And when should we refer? And obviously, we always would urgently if we suspect red flags or infection, or if the diagnosis is in doubt, especially if we suspect there may be one of these more serious conditions like stress fracture, or if it's just not getting better after steroid injection and physio. So in conclusion, I now feel much more confident in making a clinical diagnosis of this greater trochanteric pain syndrome without having to refer, without having to do any fancy tests. It's lateral hip pain, it's worse with exercise and at night time, but it's not an inflammatory bursitis. It's a gluteal muscle tear or tendinopathy. Um, and the diagnosis is made by lateral greater trochanteric tenderness and also the single leg stance is a useful additional test. If it's medial or groin pain or very significant restriction of movement suggests a more serious cause. Worthwhile doing a plain film, but otherwise can manage conservatively with advice, yes, refer for physio. And if the pain is really bad, a steroid injection in clinic, which doesn't need to be ultrasound guided, can give short-term pain relief to enable physiotherapy. Thank you. That was Dr. Simon Curtis from Oxford University in the UK presenting the latest updates on guidelines in treating greater trochanteric pain syndrome in primary care. You can download a copy of the Keep It Simple summary or KISS on greater trochanteric syndrome on the MedCast downloads page. If you would like to learn more about Hot Topic series of workshops, webinars and podcasts, please go to our website at www.medcast.com.au forward slash hot topics. Thank you.